the biggest thing I felt when I came here, and I know this is going to 100% sound cheesy, in 37 years of my life, I had never once felt at peace and at home inside four walls of church like I'd ever felt when I walked in here. Welcome to Behind My Journey, a podcast that is for our community. This month at Journey Church, we are doing Behind My Journey Live. Hear Scott Adams' story of walking away from church and finding his way back as he sits down with Matt Johnson. So, hey, do I, do I need to move the drum shield over here so you're more comfortable I looking at them? Or, or, yeah, home yeah that, look, at, look at them through that. Yeah. Hey, thank you for doing this, first Absolutely. of all. Yeah. Absolutely. You've been on a lot of stages, but you are usually back here and yes. not, yeah, in whatever stage you're on. So listen, let, let's just start with this for people who don't know you. Okay. Um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, about your family, all of that. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Scott Adams. I'm 37, almost 38 years old. Almost Woo! there. Almost there. Almost there. <laughs> yeah. One more month. All right. I uh, live in Reedland, Kentucky, married to my wife, Jessica. We have three wonderful children, uh, two of them from previous marriage. And, uh, and your youngest one that y'all have together is how old? Two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, so and you're doing it all over again. In your late 30s, a two-and-a-half-year-old really <laughs> takes your energy. It hits different in the middle of the <laughs> it night, does. doesn't it? Yeah. It really yeah. does. Um, um, work out the old USEC. I'm from Marshall County, born and raised in this area. Yeah, so you're in the IT yes. over at the old USEC plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other piece of this is... You've been a professional musician, a professional drummer for a long time. You're doing that at the same time as being a part of IT over there, right? Correct. Yeah. How long have you been uh, in music? Uh, I started playing. Um, I wanted to play the drums ever since I was a child. My, I'm second generation drummer. And my mother didn't want me going down the same path as my father. And so she <laughs> said, you're going to take two years of piano no matter what. So I took Because pianists end up living well, a well, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They have a far better life than drummers. <laughs> so I took two years of piano when I was five and I turned seven. And I was like, all right, adios. I'm ready to play the drums. Give me some sticks. Yeah, and yeah. And then shortly, uh, not too long after I got out of high school, I really turned pro doing it. And so you went to Marshall County High. No, you didn't go no, to Marshall County. I went to Christian Fellowship High School, K through 12. Go Eagles! <laughs> there you go in Draftonville, yes. right? Which is a Christian school. For those of you who don't know, I also went to a Christian school, and we were oh. we were joking beforehand. When you go to a Christian school, you you get like three to five Bible lessons a week at church, <laughs> and then and then yes. you and then you have Bible class every day at school, mm-hmm. and then you get a chapel on Friday. Yep. So you're and tested on it and, as well. te- and tested on yeah, yeah. So you know your Bible pretty well. Forwards and backwards. Yeah, yeah. It, you didn't have a choice there, no, did you? No, you did not. All right. So you get um, you get. We'll come back to this in okay. a minute. But you get out of school, and did did you play? Did you just go on the road as a musician full time, or were you working a job and doing it at the same time when you get first got out of school? Oh, absolutely working a job. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely working a job. Because what mean, people don't realize is uh, working musicians are starving musicians, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, my my dear friend that I play with to this day, I mean, he still owns his own business while he's out playing with anyone from Alice Cooper to you name it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He still comes home and has, still his, own, has his own coffee gotta, shop that he runs. you so. got to pay the bills somehow, exactly. right? Yeah. You, do, you do the music for the love of it, not for the money of it. Any of you children who want to know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's go. Let's circle all the way back to being a kid. We were joking a little bit about church and Christian school and all of that. Yeah. But talk a little bit about what your experience was like, uh, what it was like for you being in church 
uh, growing up in church, just just what was your takeaway as you look back on those years now? Oh, we were very much the family that every time the doors were open, we were there. It, it didn't matter if it was a prayer meet on a Monday night, church service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, didn't matter what it was. If the doors were open, we were there. And so I grew up spending a large majority of my childhood just in the four walls of the church, you know, yeah. whether I was running around being a heathen or, you know, actually <laughs> engaged in what was going on. <laughs> right. You know, I was still there. So. But when you, when you, um, I mean, from my experience, there's a bit of when you go to a Christian school and then you're engaged in church all the time. I'm not saying this is bad, but it's, it's a little bit like you're living in a bubble. It's <laughs> very much so living in a bubble because it's really the, the biggest part of your socialization as a child is inside the church, you yes. know, when you're there that much. But on the, on the flip side, do you feel like, um, do you feel like that experience growing up I don't know the right way to put this. Maybe, maybe set an anchor or foundation in your life that, um, that even you looking back on now, you've got some like, you know, you know, you've yeah. got you've got something you know is true that you were taught from from the time you were oh, little. One hundred percent. I mean, you know, the the verse says, "Train up a child in wage goes, and in all his days he shall not depart from it." I mean, it doesn't say that. He won't ever drift. Every day. It yeah, doesn't exactly. say every day, right. But in all his days, meaning the entire, you know, entirety of his life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's fast forward a little. Yes, sir. You graduate from high school. Yes, sir. Now you've got... I or, did do that. Yeah, you did, yes, <laughs> you did do that. Um, you graduate from high school. For the first time, you're on your own. Yep. You start traveling as a professional musician, yeah. which, which I'm just going to take a guess. The culture of a professional musician might be a little different than the bubble you had grown up in. Slightly. Just slightly, yeah. Just slightly. It was like, it was like a different yeah. world you're in now. Right. You're working a job, but you're getting to make your own choices. Correct. Call your own shots. So what happened with, with your faith? What happened with your engagement with church once you hit that point? Oh, I mean, it became pretty much non-existent. And, you know, pretty much in all aspects, you know, I was your typical PK, you know, preacher's kid growing up that, you know, once I got out and got a little taste of the world, I was like, woo, buddy, let's <laughs> yeah. run, let's run yeah. with this. First time you'd seen that, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, let's run with this. Let's see what this is all about. <laughs> yes. And so it was, it was just the easy thing to do was just, uh, well, I'll get back into it later on when I get older. That was yeah. your mentality. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And, and I still even up, I would try different churches. You know, mm -hmm. I would go different places. I grew up non-denominational and, you know, I'd go to Baptist church for a little while and see what that was about. And, you know, that's where my ex-wife, she was, she was raised Baptist. Yep. So we so, went there so for you, a little while. So you got a feel for that. That yeah. was a massive change. Yes. But yeah, for the most part, it was just, I'll, I'll get back to it. It just wasn't a priority. Oh, not at all. Do you, was it, was it not a priority because you didn't see the value in it? It wasn't helpful? Was it not a priority because you were just tired of it and wanted to, wanted to experience something different? What do, you, what do you think was driving some a of that? A lot of it was being tired. A lot of it was being just overserved. You know, because, I mean, we were that family that, you know, I, I played music at the church. You know, mom and her ex-husband were, were pastors at the church. And... and we were there all the time, constantly serving, constantly doing something. And after a while, that can get just, you get into a routine and it becomes nothing more than just a routine. It's not that you're there to serve or you have the heart of a servant. It's just you're there and this is what you do. 
It gets, so you it, get tired of it. If you if it gets detached from the purpose and the why. Bingo. Yeah. Then you're just going through the motions. 100%. And I was tired of doing that. I'd, you're doing it because you've been told that that was the thing to do, right? Well, that and, you know, again, when you get that slight taste of freedom and you get, <laughs> you know, into certain things in life and you're like, man, I could go out Saturday night and sleep in Sunday morning. Yep. Oh. Yep. Oof, that, that's tempting right and, there. And <laughs> yes, and and life on the road certainly lends itself to those choices anyway. 100%. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, um, let me fast forward a little bit again. <laughs> so roughly how long were you, how long did this period last where you just walked away from church, Let's disengaged? See, I would say a good, um, the first time I was probably 20, okay. roughly in there, and then didn't start going doing the Baptist thing with the ex-wife until 25-ish, somewhere in there. So there's a good four or five years there where I, as the Amish say, had rumspringa and I was just uh, going yep. crazy. And then you, then you re-engaged a little bit because yes. wives have a way of doing that to they us, do. right? Yes. They do indeed. And then you disengaged again? Correct. And how long were you, were you kind of AWOL that time? That was a really long stint there. <laughs> that was a that, good one, that huh? Was, that was a good one. We're talking eight to ten years there where I just did not go. Yeah. I mean, other than the, you know, typical Sunday that mom begs me to go or I went a couple of times to my now wife. She's uh, Episcopalian or Episky, I call it. And <laughs> I, I tried the, I tried the Pisky service once or twice. Uh-huh, yeah. and that was a little drastically different. different. A little different. Yes. Very methodical. Very up, down, you know, drink this, eat this, you know. You weren't sure what was going on, what to do, yeah. Not at all. So um, let's fast forward then mm-hmm. all the way because you're, uh, you're sitting here on, <laughs> a st- on a stage yeah. um, in a church facility. And um, I know the backstory of how you got here. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell them a little bit of what happened and I'll fill in any, any blanks. But so as to how I got into Yeah, how, how you ended up right here, yeah. Okay, so uh, my wife knows uh, Andy, the guitar player up here on stage, and she, for the longest time, she's been wanting me and Andy to get together and make music. And uh, here, there, and whatnot, Andy had got my name and called me for a night of worship that y'all were having and needed a drummer. And, and let me just pause. Yeah. And the reason, reason Andy called is because you guys remember when we first opened the building, uh, this was then. We were going to do a night of worship the Wednesday night before our very first Sunday, yep. and then it, um, he actually drove all the way from Reedland, and then it sleeted. I don't know if y'all remember that, and we had to cancel. It was a long drive home. It was a really long drive home with Scott risk his life to be here. <laughs> but the reason, the reason Andy called is because all of our other drummers got COVID right as we were opening the building, and we had nobody. We had nobody to play opening Sunday. We had nobody to play the night of worship. So that's that's why that oh. connection was made. Yeah. And so I come in, and like you said, I, I did the or was going to do the first night of worship, but then wound up doing the first Sunday in the building, which was a huge honor. I was I was blown away whenever y'all said, "Yeah, this is our first Sunday in here." I'm like, "And I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah. This is this is great. Yeah. You know, I'm a new guy here, and I get to play the first Sunday." Yep. And then we did the night of worship, and that I remember that night was the night that I told you, you know, hey, I, I just want five minutes of your time after this night of worship. I yep. want to talk to you. And I remember seeing the kind of the spark on your face. You're like, okay. Let's right, see what this, this is about. Yeah, let's That's see right. what this is about. Because we'd known each other a full week at that point, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, a week. Yeah. 
Uh, what, a, what a beautiful week. What a, what a great week. All the week. sleet, it was just perfect. Yeah, yeah. Spring was in the air. Uh-huh. So, so afterwards. Yeah. Afterwards, I, I met with you, and I just remember this overwhelming sensation of, I went in. And I remember telling you that. You told me just like that. Yeah. You said, I'll do whatever I have to do. I want all in on this. Yes. Tell me, tell me why. You, I mean, you made that. You went from you hadn't been in church in a decade. Right. Um, and there's, a, uh, you know, so you went from that to, which this is unusual, this is mm-hmm. rare, but you went from that to in a seven day period, I'm all in. And you have been all in from that point forward. Yep. Talk about what was going on in your heart and in your life that, how did, how did God get you there? Well, I mean, God always gives you conviction when you're not where you need to be. And it's just whether or not you want to listen to it. Sure. Is, is our part of it. Yeah. It's always there. It's just whether or not we listen yeah. to it. And so for a long time, my wife and I had been talking about where we were, you know, going to plug back in. You know, and we could never come to a, a full-blown agreement on this is, this is right. This is where I feel I need to be. Wait, 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 uh, sorry to interrupt, but were those conversations between you and your wife, were they driven by we need to get the kids in church? Or, a lot of it we, is that. Okay. A lot of it is that for sure because, you know, I mean, we want to train our kids, bring our kids up the same way that we were brought up, you know, and have good morals, believe in God, have faith, and do the right things they need to do. So that sparked a conversation Absolutely. with her. Yeah. Absolutely. And the biggest thing I felt when I came here, and I know this is going to 100% sound cheesy, but in 37 years of my life, I had never once felt at peace and at home inside four walls of a church like I'd ever felt when I walked in here. So, And, and for those of you who come here and, and you've been members here for a while, I think all of you know the same exact feeling I'm talking about. It's the moment you walk in the door and you just go, wow, all right. That's interesting to me because um, pull behind the curtain a little bit. You know, there are, uh, not to get us off track, but th- within the pastor world, which <laughs> fortunately y'all don't have to live in, but within the pastor world, there's all this angst among pastors ever since COVID uh, because, and we've not seen this, but um, the average church, I mean, they're only about uh, 60% of what they were pre-COVID, you know, mm-hmm. just a lot of people hadn't come back. And they were all nervous about, you know, if we put stuff online, people won't come back, which made me chuckle as if that was going to be the reason. I was like, <laughs> lot of, your stuff online or not online yeah. is not going to make a difference. But, but um, in conversations, the thing I always tell them is, I'm like, there are two things you can experience in person, in, and this is general, but two things you can experience in person the odds are much greater you'll experience it in person versus online. Uh, one is the personal connection that mm. you get with people, because you sure don't get that sitting in your living room watching. And second is experiencing the presence of God in, a, in a genuine way. And I don't mean you can't experience that in your house, but uh, you know what it's like in your house. you got all kinds of distractions going, right? It's just much harder. And so that's, that's what I thought about when you just said that is... Um, I think that's probably what you were experiencing, but you didn't expect that when you were walking in. No. Yeah. No, I figured this was going to be, uh, no, and no offense, I figured this was going to be another cookie-cutter experience of every other, you know, uh, big production, big worship setup that I'd ever been in or filled in on. I'm just thinking, okay, I'm here. 
I'm a hired gun. This is going to, you know, play these few sets and that's going to be my exit out the yeah, door. Yeah, you I'll know play these I mean? two events and then I'm out the door. I, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I really wasn't. It blindsided me. It, yeah. it honestly hit me for a loop. And, and I want to I point this out because I just want to connect the dots for all of you who volunteer here. I, I want you to hear what he's told me and is about to tell you. One of the things you talked to me about, because I asked you at Night of Worship, I and mean, we were standing right here having this conversation yes. Yes. Um, when you were like, I am all in. And I was, and I was like, okay. That's, I said, we are pumped. That's awesome. Um, and we started talking about why. And you talked about your experience with the people here. And the words you used, if I remember right, you can correct me, but you just talked about how authentic and genuine your experience and interactions with people had been, and that had really caught your attention. Oh, absolutely. I mean, wholeheartedly, I could tell from, it's going to seem, you know, again, a bit cheesy, but a handshake, you know, a handshake between yourself and myself, you know, a good solid men know, good solid handshake, you know, went a long way with me right out the gate. And then as I start, you know, getting to know the people around me, I'm like, man, these people are, they're real people. And it's hard to explain exactly what that phrase means unless you've grown up in church your whole life. And I think one other thing was, you know, you come in the door, I've said this to you before. The the first thing I noticed when I walk in the door is that sign that says no judgment. And I was like, hey, these are my people. Yeah, yeah. You, and, don't, you don't always get that. And being, uh, to, you know, the other piece of this being a uh, musician mm -hmm. and being in this role, you saw everything behind the scenes. Correct. You know, you just weren't showing up and sitting in a seat. Like, mm -hmm. you, um, if, if the, you interacted with a lot of the volunteers, especially band and production, obviously, mm -hmm. and if you had seen a lot of hypocrisy in them, um, that's where you see it, right? And you'd I, have been out the door. Yeah. But, but you see how people really are behind the scenes, and you, yeah. you, got, a, you got a front row from the very beginning to exactly. see it. Exactly. So I just, I, I wanted to bring that out because so many of you as volunteers, again, th this is part of the biggest struggle I have. Uh, you don't always see how God is using you in the interactions you have with people. And all the people, all the volunteers who interacted with you had no idea God was using that to help connect you Correct. here and bring you back yep. into the church. All right. So uh, one more question on this and then I want to shift gears. Okay. But uh, you are... Uh, you are the prototypical guy that we have walk in the door here. You know, we have so many people, and, and we design it with guys like you in mind. We have so many people who walk in who've been out of church for a long time, mm -hmm. um, and they're here for, you know, they may be here today because she dragged them here, or, you know, <laughs> there's, they, they've got their reasons for being here, but they end up here, right? Yep. Um, what, what advice would you have for somebody who has been or is where you were, you know, just disengage. Not that you don't believe in God necessarily, you know, you didn't lose that, no. but, but you just disengaged, you drifted. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what advice would you have for somebody who's in that stage right now? I, I think more than anything, just the, th the immediate three words that popped in my head were just give it a chance. Uh, Typically, when you're disengaged, it's so easy to come right in and be the person who sits out there and starts just picking. Well, they don't do this that I like. They don't do that that I like. They don't do this that I like. And you, sure. immediately, you immediately just nab it down to the point that you're not, no, that's not for me. Yeah. Whereas if you came in and opened your eyes and just, okay, they're doing some really, really good stuff here. You know, I might not be into this aspect of it, but 
good word, good music, good fellowship. They're doing good things. Yeah. And and I think just give it a chance for the first three words I I gave and I gave it a chance here. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into coming in playing for you guys and then all of a sudden it was just oh I like this. Yeah. Okay. Uh shifting gears cuz it is Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple questions for you about being a dad. <laughs> one one is one is oh, this. Boy. Um what do you think as you now you're on the other side like you're reengaged your kids are reengaged in church mm-hmm. looking back over the season of life when you weren't mm-hmm. if you if it had been obvious at that point that not being engaged was impacting your family negatively in some way, well, you would change it. Anybody would, right? right. But in, when you're in the middle of that, it doesn't feel like you're really losing that much. Oh. But now you're on the other side of it, and you've got perspective, and you're starting to look back. Is there anything when you look back that you realize, oh, man, we were, really were missing out because as a family we weren't engaged? Or do you go, oh, you know what, it was okay for that season? I think more than anything, I mean, you, again, it's a, it's a gradual decline that you don't immediately pick up on. But the biggest thing without having an interaction or engagement in church and, and with God is lack of peace. Hmm. And, and your kids eventually start to notice that, okay, well, you might not be a tyrant or, or just, you know, completely anchor-filled, but dad doesn't have peace or joy like he had. He's getting a little more frustrated, a little bit easier about things that are happening. And I think that's a big one because I know that we talked about it, you know, before about patience. And yeah. when you have no peace, you really have no patience because you can't really have one without the other. That's true. So I think the biggest thing right there is just the lack of peace, the lack of joy from being connected is the biggest downhill slope I noticed. But, it, but it's so... Uh you made a good point because it's so subtle. You don't actually realize no. you're losing your peace. Yep. You don't actually realize it's having an impact on your character and on your relationships, right? right? If, because again, if it was, you know, you, <laughs> you miss three Sundays in a row and bam, you feel the effects of it. Well, you'd stop doing that, but, right. but you don't, you don't actually see that. So you don't know what you're missing until you, until you reengage. And now that you've reengaged, you started to sense that. Yes. And I mean, you tend to make, you know, explanations and excuses for yourself as you go on through the time, you know, well, I'm taking Sundays to spend time with my family. And, you know, you try to justify it that you're not doing what you need to be doing. Yeah. And just all the while you're just hurting yourself even more Hmm. and your family. Interesting. All right. Any other, any others you look back, um, you're still in the middle of parenting, but as you look (laughs) back, as you look back on, you know, the last 11 years or however long it's been Mm -hmm. since your first one, um, any other lessons or challenges, um, any advice that you would want to venture to give the rest of us dads? I know I've, I've touched base on this with you before, but I think the biggest thing is that, that I learned as a dad so far has been patience. And, and moreover than that, humility. Hmm. Uh, the, one of the biggest things I ever noticed especially with my oldest two is they came to age where they could understand what I'm actually saying to them you know they weren't they weren't infants anymore uh, the biggest thing I noticed with them was having the humility to look at my child that I might have just blown my lid at and say you know what I'm sorry and that was majorly impactful in their life that 
dad knew when he was wrong mm-hmm. and he knew he had to admit it. That's good. That's really good. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons I love that so much is uh, pride is a prison and we don't think oh, yeah. of it that way. But, you know, the, the more pride we have, the more we lock ourselves in and lock everybody else out. And right. you can do that with your kids, right, without mm-hmm. even realizing it. And the only, you know, pride's a prison, humility is the key. It is the only way to open that door and to reconnect with somebody is, is through that humility. Um, and when, and it's hard for all of us at times, but I think when, especially those of us who are dads, when we demonstrate that to our kids, mm-hmm. We are helping them to get a glimpse of their heavenly father. Yeah. Because, I mean, Paul talks about how Jesus showed up and chose humility to be a servant. And so we, we're modeling a little bit of that to our kids every time we do it, even though sometimes we're, it's because we've messed up. Yeah. But they need to see that humility in us. Absolutely. And it's a way for them to understand. It's also a way for them to understand God's grace. Because uh, the only limit to God's grace is our lack of humility. Oh, absolutely. That's it, right? Absolutely. God resists the proud. Yeah. <laughs> he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud not because he hates the proud. He resists the pr- proud because, well, grace is unearned and undeserved. And a proud person thinks they deserve it and they earn it. So you can't grab it, right? Exactly. Um, so I love that. And I'm not so sure, Scott, and you, if you've got any other thoughts on this, you can weigh in. I, I am not so sure that that may not be the best characteristic that we can demonstrate to our kids is if the more we practice humility, the better glimpse we give them of their heavenly father. I a hundred percent believe that. And cause you can't have any level of humility without having a, a little bit of love behind it. Absolutely. It's driven you, by love, you right? Can't, you can't do it. And, and also combined with that love is patience and Lord knows he's been patient with me to make this full circle that I've done to come here. You know what I mean? But the humility goes even further. You know, my kids, my oldest two are with my ex-wife and and they live with her primarily. And so I get my usual, you know, 48 hour Mm -hmm. every other weekend. And that's tough, isn't it? It's it's, tough. It's hard, you know, and, and, but during the summers right now, I get them a week at a time, which is wonderful. And because I'd much rather them, you know, be with me. Sure. But my kids have noticed, if anything else, and for those of you who's ever gone through, you know, divorce and kids and everything like that, it's no fun. It all it all sucks, we know. Is my kids have noticed that dad has never said one coarse word about their mother. Amen. Not one. And it's, it's hard to explain that level of humility, too, with your kids <laughs> because... Like they're just waiting for dad to just say something yeah. one time, yeah, you know, that's going to take him from being this guy, yep, to being this guy, yep. And it's it, difficult. That requires that requires a lot of humility, especially. And I'm not saying this is the case in your point, but I know in a lot of situations, and a lot of y'all are in this situation. It's that's not always reciprocated the other way, and then it requires even more humility, right? To, to Very do, much so. To do the right thing and just let yeah. the outcome be what it is. Right, because I, I mean, I've sat up here and talked about how patient of a guy I am. I promise I'm not. <laughs> uh, anybody who really, really knows me knows that, you know, I can have a fuse just this short if, you know, the situation arose for it. And like you said, it is not always easy to have that humility because 
just of the tensions and everything in the past behind that relationship is like uh, that requires God at work in you to be able to demonstrate that right (laughs) does it ever yeah no that's awesome to me the takeaway from this we'll wrap this up the takeaway from this is this piece about humility I, I just think that's extraordinary and um for all of us guys in particular, and ladies, I think y'all are better at than us. For all of us guys, I think pride is always a struggle for oh, us. Absolutely. Always a struggle for us. And sometimes we don't even recognize it because we're so confident we're right. Then it's yeah. not pride. It's just, well, but you can be right and still be wrong if you're proud. Yes. And all of us have been there and done that. And if the more often we embrace humility, the more like our Heavenly Father we are, the more we model that and experience that, and the more our kids can experience grace from us. Yes. And then they can understand the grace they'll experience from their Heavenly Father. So that, to me, that's the takeaway and that's the challenge. And I appreciate you being so transparent to share that. Would you guys thank Scott one more time? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind My Journey. If you or anyone that you know would like to have your journey featured on this podcast, send us an email at podcast at journeycalloway.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And if this message spoke to you, please help us spread the word and share it with others. Until next time, my name is Quinn Eaton, and this has been Behind My Journey.